Thanks, Jeff. All right. <clears throat> so we, we started last time, again, this, this idea of rejoice and tremble um, and surprising good news of the fear of the Lord. And, and you might remember we talked about how the, the idea of fear is a, is a complex, a pretty complex thing when you think about it. And we talked about the, the examples of, you know, on the one hand, with fear, we, we might be overcome with, with anxiety or, or panic, you know, being in an, in an accident or, or some kind of tragic event. Um, or we might be kind of thrilled and drawn to something. You know, you think about like a scary movie or, or riding a roller coaster, right, or something like that that will be, it, it brings more of a thrill. So we have these different responses um, to fear just in general. And so um, tonight we're going to talk about, again, this, it's kind of a complex thing where even um, in, in Scripture, there are two different ways uh, to fear the Lord, or, or two different ways to understand the fear of the Lord. And, and Scripture talks about this. And one way is a, a negative way that's wrong, that we should not fear the Lord. Another way is, is right, and it's good, and it's positive, and we should fear the Lord in that way or in that sense. And so um, the author of, of our study tonight, he's going to use the words sinful fear and right fear to try to uh, label these things and, and describe them and, and differentiate them from one another. So you've got a negative sinful fear and a positive right fear of the Lord. And so when we go to Scripture, we, we see some pretty uh, amazing things kind of along these lines when we look at what it says. For example, in Exodus chapter 20, this is what it says. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and, Mo and, and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. And then verse 20, look at it. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you. So don't fear, but fear, uh, that you may not sin. And so the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Uh, interesting how those two things are put right there together. Um, again, in 2 Samuel, we see much of the same thing. Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You've done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far it be from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. So again, this idea of in this same passage, just a few verses apart of, of don't fear, but yet fear the Lord. And, and so... Uh, 
we see these two different types of fear of the Lord coming across in Scripture. Uh, the Puritans, when they were writing in the, in the 1600s, they were trying to, to nail down a way to really express this um, with language, how to articulate in words these different types of fear or, or, or label them. Um, and so you can, uh, got a chart here, you can see that the first four names there uh, in, in that table are Puritans and you can see they, de they describe this one type of fear of the Lord in a, in a negative way. It's, it's servile, it's slavish, it's ungodly. You know, all of these things that carry this negative connotation. The second type of the fear of the Lord they have here is, is, a, is a positive thing. It's religious, it's godly, it's, it's holy. Um, and then the last row there of the table you can see is the author of the book that we are, are studying through now, Michael Reeves. And like we said, he's chosen to express them as sinful and right, to, to try to label these two different things that we see in Scripture. And so let's look at these two types of the fear of the Lord that, that we find expressed. Uh, the first one that we're going to call a sinful fear, this is a fear of the Lord that actually drives us away from God. And um, one of the, I guess, clearest examples that we see of this um, in Scripture is right off the bat, right after the, the fall in, in Genesis 3. You remember God goes in and he calls out to Adam, right? And he asks Adam, where are you? And uh, Adam responds to the Lord and he says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You know, this idea of, of, of being afraid of God and therefore fleeing and, and running from him and, and seeking to hide from him. Um, or a, another passage that we read about this in the New Testament is the, the book of James, where it says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. They are, are fearful of him. Again, it, it, this is a, a sinful fear because it originates from the sin and, and the fallen nature and, and the demons and their rejection of the Lord. And therefore, um, they are far from him. And, you know, many people have this, this type of fear of the Lord that, that drives them away from him. And, and the tragic part about it is, we, you know, we're made to worship. We were, we're made to worship the Lord. And we're going to worship something. So when, when people reject worship of the Lord because they, they don't rightly understand the fear of him, it then leads them to worship other things of their own making. Um, and Dr. Reeves, he writes this, their misguided fear of God thus leads them to a fear of other things, things that cannot liberate or enliven, but they only enslave and deaden. And so we can think about some examples uh, of this, share a couple of those. Um, sometimes uh, this comes across in atheism or, or denial of God's existence, um, which inevitably ends up just um, being idolatry of, of self, right, and self-worship um, at the end of the day. But... Uh, 
to, to share a quote with you, uh, a guy named Christopher Hitchens was a, a well-known atheist. Um, and, and he was once interviewed, actually, on Fox News. And they asked him, and they, they said, well, okay, we know you don't believe in God, but, but what if, just for a minute, just go with us here, what if he does exist? And here was his response. I think it would be rather awful if it was true, if there was a permanent, total, round-the-clock, divine supervision of everything you did. You would never have a waking or sleeping moment when you weren't being watched and controlled and supervised by some celestial entity from the moment of your conception to the moment of your death. It would be like living in North Korea. Interesting comparison. There, but do you see how that's a complete misunderstanding of what it means to fear the Lord? Um, so sometimes it's, it's atheism. Sometimes it's idolatry. It's false gods and, and false religions. We see this strange passage of Scripture we find in 2 Kings. And um, it's talking about the people making false gods and idols to worship. And... Uh, Verse 31, it, it talks about these different um, idols and gods that they make, and it says that they even they burn their children in the fire to worship these idols. And then verse 32, they also feared the Lord and, and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in, in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord but also served their own gods. After the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. Then verse 34 says this, To this day they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord. And they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the law or the commandment that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. So it seems like it appears at first they're, they're trying to take this idol worship and, and the worship of the Lord and, and somehow mix them together. And it might seem like they have some kind of fear of the Lord. But then uh, just a verse later, it says, no, they, they don't understand a right fear of what it means to fear the Lord. Um, and so it's a very interesting passage in, there in 2 Kings. Um, but it leads to this idolatry. Um, and lastly, we see, it, it'll, and this is probably the most sad of all, it, it, it can lead to a, a false version of Christianity. Um, you know, it's possible to, um, to, to not understand, understand the fear of the Lord, but yet you can still have a moral life. You can look outwardly religious. You can um, seek to obey the law. And yet you don't understand the fear of the Lord. And so therefore you're, you're fleeing and running away from the God of the Bible, which generally means that you're going to come up with, you know, create God in your own image, which is usually love and grace and mercy and, and not the justice. And so it's this, this perverted view of the Lord. Um, all coming from an incorrect understanding of what it means to fear him. Um, 
So that's a negative, wrong view of what it means. But there's also a right fear of the Lord. And, and this, instead of being a fear that drives us away from him, this is a fear of the Lord that draws us to him. And, and again, we find very interesting passages of Scripture when we go and read that speak this way. Um, in Jeremiah 32, it says, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. I rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in the land in faithfulness with all my heart and soul. So this idea of, of fear actually drawing closer to the Lord. In, in the next chapter, the Lord says this, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me. And I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. Again, that's a very different way of speaking about fear and trembling than, than how we normally think about it and think through it. And, and quite a bit in Scripture, we see this idea of the fear of the Lord, a correct fear of the Lord, coupled together with uh, some other emotions, um, namely fear um, uh, and love, uh, and also fear and joy. And so we'll, the first one we'll look at is, is fear and love. And we see, for example, Psalm 145. It says, He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. And so this is looking at uh, these two lines here in, in Hebrew poetry would be a an example of, of parallelism. So it's two statements that are making the, the same point, but they're using different words. So here, fear and love are put parallel to one another. Um, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he wrote this. It is not because we are afraid of him, but because we delight in him that we fear before him. Thine heart shall fear and be enlarged says the prophet Isaiah. And so it comes to pass with us. The more we fear the Lord, the more we love Him. Until this becomes to us the true fear of God. To love Him with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. The fear of Him is linked to our love of Him, which drives us to Him instead of away from Him. Dr. Reeves writes this. He says, Overwhelmed by his goodness and majesty and holiness and grace and righteousness, by all that God is, the faithful tremble. And so love and fear 
also fear and joy are found together. Um, for example, in the book of Proverbs, it says, Blessed or happy or joyful is the one who fears the Lord always. But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. In Nehemiah, it says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. So fear there coupled together with joy and delight. We read this, we are made to rejoice and tremble before God, to love and enjoy him with an intensity that is fitting for him, that he deserves, that we should have. And what more befits his infinite magnificence than an enjoyment of him that is more than our frail selves can bear, which then overwhelms us and it causes us to tremble before him. And when we look at this, we, we rejoice and we, we tremble at, at, at all of who he is, not just some of him, all of his attributes. And we see several of these attributes listed in Scripture. Um, so, first of all, we, we read earlier tonight, we, we rejoice and tremble at his goodness. In, in 1 Samuel, it says, To fear the Lord and serve him faithfully, for consider what great things he has done for you, has been good to you, therefore fear him. We rejoice and tremble at his wisdom. Um, we see this in, in Jeremiah 10. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like you. Perfect wisdom. And so we see it and we tremble. We rejoice and tremble at his holiness. We read in Revelation, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. You are set apart. You're, you're different. You're other than anything else that exists. Perfect in purity. And so therefore, we fear you. Scripture also mentions that we, we rejoice and tremble at the Lord's forgiveness. Psalm 130, it says, But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. So, so understanding the forgiveness of the Lord leads us to fear and to rightly um, tremble before Him. And so that's, you know, it's kind of the main message of the night are these two different aspects of or definitions of fearing the Lord. The, the negative one that drives away, which we want to reject, and the positive one, which, which draws us to the Lord, in which we want to uh, participate, and we, we want to um, embrace that and, and follow that and seek that. And so we end these, these chapters with some encouraging words. Here, the, the author writes, we should be encouraged. For the nature of the living God means that fear which pleases him is not a groveling, shrinking fear. He is no tyrant. Rather, this kind of fear is an ecstasy of love and joy 
that, that senses how overwhelmingly kind and magnificent, good and true God is, and that therefore leans on him in staggered praise and faith. So it's, it's, it causes our hearts then to tremble before him and his goodness. Um, and there's some other aspects of this, of, of what it means to positively and rightly fear the Lord. And, and we're going to look more at those um, in the weeks to come. So let's close tonight in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that we've looked at tonight. Father, we thank you for how it, it causes us to rethink, Lord, the, the, the definitions that we, we automatically have in our mind. And we, 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 it causes us to stop and to meditate on what your word truly has to say about what it means to fear you and to love you and rejoice in you. Father, I pray that you would help us to, as we go through the rest of the week, to, to meditate on these truths. Father, to, to think deeply, to in our minds to, to chase and to seek this type of fear of you. And so we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.